0: Hello, you're welcome to If I Were the Minister for Education from Unshod.net. The 50 Most Influential People in Education. Where are they now? Part 1. Hello, hello, this is Simon Lewis from onshaw.net with another episode of If I Were the Minister for Education, a regular podcast where I take an aspect of the primary education system and I say what I would do if I were the Minister for Education. Twelve years ago, the Irish Times published an article, kind of out of the blue, which listed the top 50 most influential people in the education system. It was compiled over a few weeks and the journalist uh, who wrote the article stated that key figures, and they didn't name them, were asked to compile their own lists confidentially. Those names that featured were the most prominent on the list that they made of the top 50. So I thought it it would be interesting to see Where are those people now? And over the next while, that's what I'm going to do on the podcast, starting with the top 10. So without further ado, let's delve into the top 10 of the top 50 most influential people in education back in 2011 and see if any of them would make the list today. When I shared this 2011 article on Twitter and asked people to give their impressions or their thoughts, it was interesting that the most notable thing that people commented on was the lack of gender diversity in the list. When it was first published, I don't remember that being mentioned at all. However, if you look at it now, 12 years later, in the cold light of day, 40 out of the 50 names on the list were men, and only 5 of them were women. The other five, by the way, just for the record, because I can add, the other five were agencies or institutes, or probably more accurately, quangos. Anyway, back in 2011 when this article was published, Ireland was in the midst of an economic crisis Uh, So fast forward to to 2023, we're kind of living in a different context, but very little has changed in terms of the underfunding of education. Um, Many of the austerity measures that were made during that crisis back in 2008 to 2016 or wherever, whenever it was supposed to have ended, have never been reversed. Anyway, with all that out of the way, we're going to have a look at the list and see where are those top 10 anyway for this uh, episode? Um, Where are they now? And would they make the list today? If you're interested in reading a little bit more about any of these, uh, I've linked to the original article in the Irish Times. And... Uh, I've also written a blog article on medium.com if you want to have a look at it there. So let's start off with the number one person who you probably wouldn't be surprised was the Minister for Education at the time. That was Rory Quinn. Now, he was the Minister for Education in 2011 and he became a divisive character. I think that's fair to say. For those of us who were campaigning for diversity in education, uh, particularly around religion, Quinn really made some important inroads such as starting the discussions for breaking down the vast power uh, that religious bodies had in education however he also made some really unpopular and quite frankly very silly decisions some would sympathise with the huge cuts to the education budget given the economy at the time but many probably wouldn't And the introduction of SSE, for example, and the literacy and numeracy plan were based not on real facts or real kind of, it was a real kind of proper investigation. They were done as a reaction to a blip uh, in Ireland's PISA scores back in 2009. And they've been a disaster um, really. They were introduced in 2011 and never went away despite the fact that they, were, they really weren't necessary in the first place. And a lot of his proposed changes, particularly at second level, have really gone down very badly too. Sadly for people like me, oh, the religious bodies still retain almost the same control over primary schools as they did back in 2011 with very very little progress made, though it might be unfair to blame Rory Quinn for that. Now that he's retired from politics, Quinn sits on a number of boards um, and the current Minister for Education is uh, Fianna Fáil's Norma Foley. Um, the only positive thing about that fact is it does something for gender balance. Now the question is, would Rory Quinn make the list today? <coughs> well, to be honest, it's tricky to know. It's, um, I started off with a difficult one, really. His time was really divisive. Um, that he probably was never going to last any longer than he actually did. He he, last, he ended his term, uh, I think, in 2016. Um, and his work on challenging the religious bodies ultimately has failed because they still retain the, uh, almost a monopoly on, on control of schools. Perhaps in another generation, his contribution will be recognised for maybe starting that conversation because I suppose the conversation hadn't started. But right now, it doesn't feel that way. However... For me, the most unforgivable thing he did was to make schools publish their standardised test results in literacy and numeracy to the Department of Education and at the time with the promise that they were only there for statistical purposes. And um, I argued at the time that it had the potential of creating league tables uh, for schools based on their standardised test results. Now, 12 years later, that hasn't happened somehow and I've no idea why it hasn't happened. But what did happen is uh, back in two thousand and seventeen when uh, the Department of Education were measuring uh, their allocations for uh, for set resource that special education teachers in schools. They are using those statistics now to give teachers uh, to give uh, supports to school. Now it breaks the promise that the results wouldn't be used for anything like that um but i mean i'm not i don't think i that's a hill i die on however the potential for the league tables is something that um really was unforgivable would he make the list today it's just, i don't i don't know i kind of think he may do in time but right now because nothing positive or negative that he's actually put into the education system has come to fruition, certainly at primary level. So I'm afraid Mr. Rory Quinn does not make the 2023 list of most influential um, people in education now. Does his current um, person right now get the place, Norma Foley? By the fact that she is the Minister for Education and it is 2023, yes, I suppose she would have to make the list. But I wouldn't presume she would make the list once her time is over finished let's move on to number two and number two is the troika so for those of you who can't remember the troika they were probably the most feared group in ireland during the economic crash basically what they were just for those who can't remember that far back they were a consortium of the european commission the European Central Bank and the International Monetary Fund and their job was to provide a bailout to countries like Ireland and to oversee the financial measures and government policies. It may beg the question as to why they were in the top 50 most influential people in education uh, in Ireland uh, but given that 2011 was the height the absolute height of the economic crash it's probably no surprise that their fingers were everywhere and um I guess they probably deserved their place back in 2011. Uh, they had to give Rory Quinn and all the other government ministers a scapegoat for all the cuts that had to be incurred. So Rory Quinn would say, I'm afraid, oh, look, there's not much I can do. I have to make these cuts. The Troika, you know, the Troika. And in 2011, the Irish Times deemed them to be the second most influential people in Irish education. But by December 2013, we had exited the bailout programme. And 10 years later, would they make the list today? Absolutely not. However, many of the cuts they helped to impose have never been reversed. Let's move on quickly to number three. And that's uh, Colin McCarthy. This is... um the person who the Irish Times deemed to be the third most influential person in the education system in 2011. And it really says something when two of the top three people in education in 2011 were economists rather than educationalists. And if there was one person that was more feared than the Troika in Ireland during the crash, it was Colin McCarthy, the chair of the McCarthy Report, which became known as On Board SNP. Nua just uh, in case people didn't know this and I didn't know this and I, I suppose I learned something while I was recording while I was doing this back in 1987 he was uh, he was part of the board snip report uh back in uh to 1987 uh I'm I'm too young to remember that in detail although I was uh I, I think I was in primary school in 1987 so on board snip Nua was the McCarthy's report of 2010 or 2011 Anyway, the cuts included the removal of substitute cover for sick teachers, a reduction in SNAs, an increase in class size, a reduction in the capitation grants, and a reduction in EAL teachers. Um, and for those of you listening in 2023, most of those have never been recovered. The remo- removal of substitute cover for sick teachers still hasn't really been uh, covered for the first uh, uncertified day, or actually any of the uncertified days. Um, the reduction in SNAs happened and is, I suppose, it's been recovered i guess but still nowhere near enough where it needs to be the increase in class sizes has steadily been coming down um and is now lower than it was in 2011 to be fair the reduction in capitation grants has still not been recovered despite the fact the cost of living is sky high and the reduction in eal teachers has never been recovered and i don't think ever will be recovered again uh such uh which is which is a real pity because we will see the outcome of that in the future now the union the INTO renegotiated some of these cuts uh, that were uh, imposed but at the expense of creating a two-tiered pay system that still exists today as one of my twitter followers said he notices the influence of uh, the uh, of this every time every two weeks when he gets his paychecked but I don't think that can be blamed on McCarthy, and we'll get to that when we're discussing uh, the person who was largely responsible for that. Now, these days, um, you'll probably mainly see in here uh, Colin McCarthy on, in the media where he talks about, surprisingly or unsurprisingly, economics. Would he make the list today? I, I doubt it. I don't think he's, his. Uh, I think his role in education was uh, a one-off. Uh, sort of situation because of economics at the time uh, while much of the damage he recommended has yet to be fully restored and it may never do he really no longer appears in any sort of education discourse so I don't think he would make the top 50 I don't think he'd make a top 100 list of people who would be influential in education today Number four and you'll have to forgive my pronunciation here Andreas Schlechler, Schlecher I think, Andreas Schlecher. Uh, Now, you would probably be forgiven for not knowing who this is, Um, but he is probably the first person so far that might still make the list in 2023. However, if I mentioned the PISA results, then... You definitely know who he is. Yes, Andreas Schechler is the Director of Education and Skills and Special Advisor on Education Policy to the Secretary-General of the Organisation for Economic Cooperation and Development. Or you might not know that as the OECD. No wonder we all know it as the OECD. That is the longest title I've ever heard from anybody. Anyway, he initiated and he oversees the programme for international student assessment. Now you know what PISA means. Um, And um, now I think you're probably going to realise why he would probably still make the list. Back in 2011, this man was big news because for the very first time in a very, very long time, Ireland's PISA results had slipped down the rankings and it caused huge consternations in the media and in the political world. Some would argue it gave the government a catalyst to come down harder on teachers' wages and conditions during the recession. They had an excuse. We had slipped down the rankings. We didn't deserve uh, the wages we had and so on. It also brought about the introduction of the Literacy and Numeracy Initiative that I uh, spoke about along with school self-evaluation, both of which remain today and I would argue still unnecessarily. Schlecker, uh, re- I hope I'm not butchering his name, I'm, ge- I'm pronouncing him in different ways just so I might get it right once. Uh, Schlecker remains one of the most influential voices in education internationally. For example, before anybody was talking about artificial intelligence in the classroom, he was speaking about Ireland's education system being stuck in the 20th century and how it needed to step up given the world of automation and AI that was coming down the tracks. Uh, this was at least two or three years ago before anyone was talking about AI. And a year later, after he gave that, the NCCA launched the 2026 revised primary curriculum, which has done little to inspire any confidence that they listened in any way to what Schlecher was actually saying. Would he make the list today? I, I think so. I actually think he would. Ireland still places a lot of faith in the PISA scores that come out every few years, but that's not really why um, I would put him on the list, although it might get him on the list. It, you know. And to be honest with you, it's exactly why we shouldn't have uh, put him on the list back in 2011, or why the media, or why the Irish Times put him on the list. I just think Schleicher's wisdom is kind of spot on. And if we haven't already uh, started listening to him, Outside of PISA and all that kind of stuff, we really need to start listening to him. We can't rest on our laurels. He he was critical of the Irish education system a few years ago, and and I think we do sit in our laurels of the last thirty years, where we naturally were a good education system. We had it right. By accident, I don't think we had it right by design. We certainly, I don't think anyone designing an education system would look to the Irish education system for by design. We 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 just were quite fluky, uh, and and have and, and I think we're going to find ourselves falling beside, uh, falling behind our OECD colleagues at the moment. And I, I can see that happening at the minute. While we're still in the top five, top ten of most things, and particularly in literacy it's probably fair to say we're already might be slipping you're looking at the likes i mean finland are always up there all those uh uh, asian countries like the koreas the um korean republics the uh, taiwan's the chinas uh they're all up there they're always up there but we're looking at countries like poland and estonia um all slipping up the rankings even england and the uk who we sort of you know in a way um I, again i don't know i don't know how this is but england do a lot of things right despite the fact that the system around it is collapsing there there's certain things that they're doing correctly and they're coming up the um the the uh, tables um as well but I, i'd be looking more at the eastern europe and eastern and central european countries who have really looked at the Finnish model and have adapted and adopted a lot of what they're doing and you can see particularly estonia Uh, are well up there. And Ireland are going to find themselves in a very crowded market there and slipping down. So I would say, Andreas Checkler, you're our first person that would make our top 50 list today. Well done. Number five, Bridget McManus. Now, Bridget McManus um, is the first female on our list. Uh, And she was about to step down from her position in 2011 when this list came out. And uh, she... uh, basically was the General Secretary of the Department of Education. And she was described by the Irish Times as formidable and she was praised for her attention to detail. She was also the very first female to hold the position, which is often described as the most influential position in education. So, to be fair, she absolutely deserved her place, possibly ahead of the Minister for Education. Now, I'm not exactly sure what the General Secretary of the Department of Education does But when she was asked to describe her job, she said um, about working in the civil servants um, more so than her actual job, the civil service is a fascinating and very challenging place to work. It is a job where you can make real difference and where you have a job which is real significance. I'm not saying that other jobs don't give you this, but the excitement and challenge of working in the civil service is not widely recognised. So in other words, it's actually kind of I suppose what we would have called in the 90s, a Chandler Bing job, where you know they're working very hard on something very important, but you have no idea what the job is. It's very hard to describe exactly what a general secretary does, but I know nothing happens at all without their approval. When McManus gave one of her glass speeches at the IPPN um uh, conference back in 2011 she outlined exactly what was coming down the line that was the literacy and numeracy strategy thanks to our very disappointing as she put it pisa results croak park hours and adjustments the word government people used instead of cuts to make them sound more palatable it, it didn't mcmanus uh, now sits on the board of the children's health ireland um that's 12 years later uh, so i wonder would she make the list today Well, I would say, you know, it's her successors, I suppose, that would make uh, the list. The General Secretary, so maybe not her, but her position, so the the General Secretary of the Department of Education, would definitely make the list today. Uh, She's had two successors since 2011, Sean O'Fioglu and Bernie McNally. Um, They both have similar credentials, and no doubt they are pulling all the strings in the Department of Education. Whether any of that is good or not, I'm not so sure. The Irish Times noted that McManus uh, was brought in to shake things up And to be perfectly honest, I think the time has come again for that to happen. That's no offence to Sean O'Fialdo or Bernie McNally, but it does feel very, very stale in there. And we we are coming into the 21st century. Well, we're far from just coming into the 21st century. We're well into the 21st century right now. We're 23 years into it. And very little has changed since the year 2000. Even the new curriculum in 2026 that is coming out is really a tweak to the 1999 curriculum. Their big shake-up is needed, particularly in areas of uh, diversity, uh, religious control of schools, even uh, the, the way we use technology in schools. I mean, I could keep going. Literacy, numerous, everything uh, needs a, uh, more than a tweak. We need a massive shake-up. And I would suggest the uh, person who is uh, most likely to do that will be the General Secretary and uh, they need to really take that by the horns. Number six, Brendan Howland. In 2011, Brendan Howland was the Minister for Public Expenditure and Reform, so we're going back to the money. In other words, the person that holds the purse strings to the education budget. Howland uh, took that portfolio in a time where the country was absolutely broke and his challenge was to make cuts, or is that adjustments, Uh, without damaging his trade union roots uh, because uh, he comes from a long line of union people. Now it looks like Bridget McManus decided what had to happen so I'm not quite sure exactly what he did do to influence it but his speech was a fairly human one insofar as it started by acknowledging his predecessor Brian Lenehan who'd passed away very young. He then went on to say, We are going through a painful process of adjustment. Public anchor is acute because the public were not responsible for putting us in this position. Damn right. Except for the word adjustment, obviously. In fact, his budgets were criticised by the ESRI as regressive, which, to be fair, probably wasn't his fault. Ultimately, Howland continued his career, eventually becoming the leader of the Labour Party for a short time. He remains a TD, but likely to be coming to the end of his political life would he make the list today well not him but again the position um is the current uh the minister for public expenditure <laughs> and excuse me he would probably would make the list but very much in a lower position, definitely would make the top 10 anyway, and rightly so. This is the third person involved in money in the list. As I said, half of them are focused, half of this top 10 so far have are focused on the economy rather than education. I do wonder if Howland took the education portfolio, what he would have done given his previous career as a primary school teacher. We won't know that unless something happens, uh, something very dramatic happens, because I can't see Labour getting into government for the foreseeable future. Uh, certainly not before uh, Brendan Howland will be retiring and sailing off into the sunset or onto some board. Number seven, Harold Hislop. Harold Hislop is recently retired. He only retired last year and he was one of the very few educationalists back on that list in 2011. At this point, he was one of Rory Quinn's key people due to the fact that he had expertise of the education system. Amazingly rare for the the people making the rules in the Department of Education, uh, Harold Hislop actually knew about education. Um, Hislop... will not be remembered by most people for that. He'll be most remembered for his pantomime villain act at the 2010 IPPN conference, where he goaded the grumbling crowd after announcing that principals would be taking over the role of inspectors in probating newly qualified teachers with his now infamous, oh yes you will, retort when principals said oh no we will not be doing that when he announced that would be happening and uh, the result of that is Drihid, which is actually neither what Harold histop wanted and not what the education system needed uh, either um in fact I would imagine if Harold his I would love to hear Harold histop's thoughts on what Drihid became in the end I'm sure he couldn't defend it robustly. As, it, as as we can see, it being, essentially is a thing that gets made up as it goes along, despite where it started from. Anyway, all that aside, nobody could deny him his place in recent Irish education history. And back then, uh, because this, uh, back then the Times was praising him for his ambition to make teachers more accountable and school self-evaluation was definitely part of that plan. His plans to make principals responsible for providing newly qualified teachers became the damp squib that Strihid, as I mentioned, which was really no win for anybody, um, and it's likely to play its part in the decline of teaching standards. As I said, I wonder whether he'd agree with me on that, but I'm pretty sure he would. Uh, privately, I'd love, I'd love to sit down with him. Do you know he's someone? Do you know? Um, there's people in the education system, I don't know if, if, if this is just me, there's people I'd love to sit down with uh, who are involved in education and ask them, do you know, what do you really think of you know, X, Y, and Z. And Harold Histop is one of those people, and I'd love to ask him about Dreyhead. You know, I'd love to sit down with someone like John Boyle or Sheila Noonan or any of these people and ask them, you know, some of the things that they were heavily involved in. What did you really think in the end? Uh, you know, and I, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, you know, repeat what they said. Like, I've met people that make decisions, you know, privately uh, about things, and it's really interesting what they say publicly and what they say privately. Um, you know, one, one of them in particular was Aon um, who privately told me about the uh, you know the reason why he voted against um the amendments to the 2015 um, Edu- um employment equality act uh and you know but publicly what he what he'll say is very very different um but you know it's 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 I'd love to sit with Harold stop and ask him about that anyway would he make the list today so you know I I kind of asked I wasn't really sure I kind of was on the fence on this one because he's re- he's retired and he's probably squirrelling away in, in the background, but I, I just haven't heard about it. So I thought I'd ask people on my Twitter um, kind of profile whether they would or not, knowing that my uh, the teachers can be kind of, I suppose, harsh. Um, and I thought, well, you know, they're more likely to say no just because, you know, it's Twitter. And Twitter can be a bit negative, I suppose. Um, and it was interesting because it was very close. It was 50-50 more or less. Um, so that, I would say, means yes. Um, i would always i i, I nearly double the asses to the nose and uh, not just because it suits me but um you know people can be a little bit uh i suppose over negative uh on twitter so i'm going to say yes he would make the list in 2023 I'm not sure whether he'd make the list in 10 years' time or 20 years' time, but right now I still think he has an influence. Um, although he's retired, I'm told he's still working away in the background at second level, trying to reform second, uh, you know, leaving certain stuff like that. So I guess he'd make the list there. However, the reason I'm saying yes is because if I asked you to name two chief inspectors, any two chief inspectors in history, it's likely you might struggle. Past his name, I think you'd know his name, despite the fact that the current chief inspector ha- has been in the position for quite some time and has a very memorable name. Does anybody know her name? Think I to, to be honest with the way I remember it, and it's I it's no, no I don't mean there's any disrespect. Is I remember because um, it's the same name as Ronan Keating's ex-wife, Yvonne Keating, different person, but that's how I have to remember. I I I haven't seen anything from her, uh, whereas Harold Hislop was out there um and I, i'm kind of interested in that in some ways now one would say i mean i have to admit by no means did he completely reshape the inspectorate to a more modern role because i think he, that's what he was supposed to do he um but he certainly advocated for it you know one might argue that his stop merely moved the chairs on a deck uh, and the inspectorate still continues to be very autocratic and judgmental um, at the role that it always was and despite the sales pitch of it being more fluffy and happy and supportive, I don't think he's transformed the role into the supportive one that he that it purports to be. I still think it's quite autocratic, um, in the main on the ground certainly. However, it would be harsh to say he didn't steer the ship a little bit, at least slightly. Number eight, Sheila Noonan. Sheila Noonan was the first female general secretary of the INTO, taking over from John Carr in two thousand and nine. Unfortunately for her, her tenure was bookended by the recession and I feel she had she had been in the position at any time outside of it, history may have been kinder to her. As impressive as she was in many ways, Noonan does have to claim responsibility for leading and campaigning for the two-tier system where teachers teaching since 2012 have lost tens of thousands of euro based on the two-tier pay system that she advocated for, um, back in the day uh, as I said at the time the union campaigned furiously to protect teachers in the system in 2011 uh, 11, at the expense of newly qualified teachers who became known as lower paid teachers the LPTs over the years the union oversaw horrific cuts to the conditions of teachers which were always defended by oh no it would have been worse if it weren't for us The union became more theocratic in its delivery as their CEC reps started delivering sermons at meetings instead of listening to the congregation. And trust in the union has really hit an all-time low when, during her tenure, we saw the first ever election for a president of the INCO, when their preferred candidate barely scraped victory. I think um, that is fair to say that this all happened during her tenure – uh, there hasn't been a presidential election since or before and it was a result of absolute um, trust, a lack of trust in the union to deliver what it should have been doing rather than, anything, rather than just being someone deciding to take a, a punt However, Noonan does deserve some praise, um, I would say huge praise actually, in overseeing the establishment of the LGBT plus teachers group, a huge uh, thing particularly in light of the fact of our overwhelmingly denominational system which does not recognise LGBT plus teachers. Her dedication to equality in the teaching profession has to be recognised in that regard. In fact, all aspects of equality, I believe the INTO will be on the right side of the argument and that comes from the top. And Sheila Noonan was at the top when this was established. The Irish Times also praised her for showing steel, which seems to be a compliment reserved for women uh, for some reason. I don't like that compliment. Uh, It's a little bit backhanded. But anyway, to me, she was a charismatic leader and believed in herself and her vision. And she saw it through in extremely difficult circumstances. And despite some of what I've said, I can't help to have really liked her a lot. I think she was the general secretary at the wrong time. The Times also said that her critics felt she was too close to the Labour ministers, which ended up coming up to uh, coming to fruition when she was picked as Labour's candidate for the European Parliament elections, where she earned a measly three percent of first preference votes. I would have to say, uh, she was possibly the most surprised person by her low showing in those votes. I think a lot of people. I think there was a little bit of celebrity. And I'm not saying this is a criticism of her Um, a little bit of celebrity in the teaching world where sometimes you feel you're a big fish, but you don't realize it's a very, very small pond, the teaching community. I, I remember Um, she came to a conference and she was walking in and there were people like coming up, hugging her and, you know, and and I I saw one friend of mine dancing with her, uh, you know, as she you came in, like, you know, and it felt a little bit celebrity like. Uh, which I didn't particularly like Um, a little bit political in that response Uh, respect as well there was a lot of politics at play within the union in terms of like you know cracking the, not cracking the, you know, the, 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 the whole idea of having the whip in in in, in politics so that if you don't um, follow through with what the leader is saying, you lose the whip, you know. So, I, I mean, me as someone who didn't uh, believe in, in the vision of what happened in 2011 when I voted against it, I, I, I certainly felt... Um, you know, uh, to be a pariah. Uh, I I remember being on the committees at the time. I, as immature as I was, I was on the uh, the the branch of my of my of my INCO, and uh, I I I mean. I, I'm not saying it, i I was right in any way with how i how I um behaved myself. I, I i I mean people may remember me calling my um my my um the people in the Carlo branch uh, fools uh, after the vote went through overwhelmingly uh, to support the two-tier uh, what became the two-tier pays pay system. I, I mean i while while I believe I was right at the time, uh, it probably wasn't a good idea to publicly call my 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 uh, colleagues fools. Uh, but you know, uh, I, I guess as a as a someone in in my mid-20s uh, maybe uh, younger and in my, in my, uh, maybe uh, my um I suppose disruptiveness might have been um harnessed shall we say rather than uh, be made prior I remember sitting on the side of a road uh, as my car pulled in while the uh, uh, branch secretary ripped through me calling me every name under the Sun and um, and a disgrace and so on and so forth which maybe I was uh, but anyway enough about me would Sheila noonan make the list today Well, Sheila Noonan stepped into politics and out of it very, very quickly and now sits on some boards and was was recently drafted in for negotiations for compensating victims of the mother and baby homes. As I said, I really, really like her. I think she's a great, I really think she's a good person. Uh, But given that she's no longer involved in education, I guess she wouldn't make the list now. Uh, The question is, um, you know, would her successor, uh, John Boyle make the list now it would be naive to think that he wouldn't Um, it would be naive to think the leader of the biggest teacher trade union in Ireland wouldn't feature in a list like this but where exactly in the list he'd be is probably another question number nine the US multinationals Wait, what you might be thinking what? why would the US multinationals be in a top 10 of most influential people in education in 2011 Do you know what? I remember why. I remember the reason that these guys, and they were mostly guys, ended up on this list. For some very odd reason. The Department of Education decided to create a vision document for the education system called Smart Schools Equals Smart Economy. And uh, I've linked to that document in the show notes uh, and on the uh, blog list. Uh, Sorry, on the blog post. Which was supposedly to advise schools on using technology well. Now the only problem, there wasn't single, there wasn't a single practicing teacher on the membership of the ICT in Schools Advisory Group. Would you believe? Uh, it was a very bizarre thing. Even more bizarrely, not one of these multi-million euro businesses thought that they might even invest a single cent of those millions that they have in schools, at a time when schools received no ICT grant at all. In 2011, schools had no ICT grant at all. And we relied completely on cake sales and Tesco tokens, as the great Robbie O'Leary said, to buy our equipment. How on earth the Irish Times felt that these people would influence education at any level other than third level is far beyond me. Thankfully, after all the teachers stopped laughing at the documents, it went away very quietly. So would they make the list now? Well, they absolutely shouldn't have been on the list back then. And given that they still haven't managed to come up with a simple brainwave of investing some of their millions in the education system in a meaningful way, they certainly wouldn't make it now. And the Google back for school event where they pack a couple of hundred teachers in to learn about what Google are doing and then they send them off uh, do you know, one of my favorite things about this event, I'll probably never be invited to go by Google again. I'd actually, to be honest, I've already been. Um, I'd say I, I I gave one talk uh, at the Google Back to School event, and um, it was it was funny. I I um I was you know I, I had to say what I was doing in my school uh, at this Google Back to School event and using Google's tools and so on. And I, I and I, I I thought I might get a get paid, I suppose, for for doing it or paid in some way. And at the end, uh, I was given this bag. And I thought, oh great, okay, maybe I'm not going to get paid, but I'm going to get something. Uh, maybe I'll have a Chromebook, or you know, there'll be a, a voucher, or there'll be something in it. Uh, I opened up; there was a pen and a notebook. Um, you know, I mean, that's how much they um, they value the people who are essentially selling their product for them. That's, that's what I was there for, I guess, without being told. You're kind of convinced you're part of this community, this uh, education community, and you know, you're you know, Google is this uh, you know sort of almost uh, free service that they share with the google. it's not free in any way shape or form as we all know it's great and i love it and i use it and uh, i mean i'm not i'm not saying it's a it's a bad thing and i'm not i'm not picking on google per se uh it's just uh, but you know google aren't doing this out of goodness for their own heart and you know in the last couple of years they've started charging for some of their premium services for education you know which is which is kind of interesting. So um. I mean, what I've suggested to Google was rather than, uh, you know, pay, uh, inviting people to their to their premises and 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 sort of showing them, uh, giving uh, you know, making teachers or not making, asking teachers to give free uh, publicity to them, uh, and then sending everybody home with a, a, a notebook and giving them a few sam a few um, it's not even it's like canopies. I'd suggest they might invest some of their millions into schools and actually fund it, give us Chromebooks. Like, I mean, imagine a system where Google basically gave every child, every school in the country enough Chromebooks uh, to be able to, um, it would cost them nothing. It would really, I mean, it costs them less than it costs us. It would be such a great idea, great system. But anyway, I don't think these uh, companies are going to be doing that. I'm not picking on Google. Microsoft could have been doing it. Apple could have done it. All of these people could have been doing, it, uh, could have been investing directly into schools, and they haven't. Let's move on to number ten, Brian McGrath. Who's Brian McGrath, you might ask? Brian McGrath was in his first few years as the president of DCU back in 2011 after succeeding someone who is described as enigmatic and with a great enigmatic name, Ferdinand von Prodinsky, who was the president of DCU uh, before him. Ultimately, McGrath wouldn't have had had any influence on the primary education system, uh, really, except in one case, and that's teacher training. Basically, when McGrath was president of DCU, he oversaw the amalgamation of St. Patrick's College and the Church of Ireland College of Education. McGrath, that's the hope for students, students uh, basically be able to place in DCU, despite the fact that the amalgamation was to bring the two college courses under one umbrella. Um, so, up until then, this amalgamation, you had separate entry points into the various teacher training colleges, depending on how many points you got, and uh, St. Pat's uh, had a certain amount of points, the Church of Ireland uh, College had a certain amount of points, but when they came together, they were one course, so what McGrath allowed was for the Church of Ireland uh, students, uh, you had to be Church of Ireland, to basically uh, get lower points than uh, everybody else, um, and defended that measure, um, uh, robustly defended that measure, and uh, I, I have no idea why. And while it was supposed to be a very temporary measure, it has been allowed to continue year after year after year. No other faith in Ireland benefits from this preferential points to become primary school teachers, and I have no idea why it's allowed to continue. Would he make the list now? In terms of primary education, he wouldn't have made the list in 2011. He might have made it in 2016 when that fateful decision was made, but he'd no longer make it now. His successor, Derek Hyo, on the other hand, given that he came from St. Patrick's College and came came from education, might possibly make the list, though I feel his impact on primary education has been minimal since his appointment to president of DCU. Um, So, ultimately... That's your top 10 for now. A um, few little stories uh, in there. If you want to get a a, a vastly reduced uh, summary of this, you can go onto my medium.com page uh, and have a look at that. That's simonmlewis.medium.com and you can read uh, a summary of those top 10. Um, I'll be moving on to the next 10, the 10, uh, number 11 to number 20 uh, soon. Uh, in the meantime, I think I have a couple of interviews uh, planned as well on the podcast. So uh, look out for those in the coming weeks. Uh, but um, I hope you enjoyed that. And until next time, um, I don't think I've really got a, an outro, but uh, enjoy. I hope you enjoyed uh, this foray into the top 10. And uh, we shall see you uh, next time on If I Were The Minister